deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors. And I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals, or you can follow up with your investors. And you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Followup Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial. For a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. They know as soon as a listing comes to market, they already know what that deal is worth. They know what they can take the rents to. They know what they can sell it for in three years. They know what the remodeling costs are going to be. They know who's going to manage it. They already know who's going to do the lending. They know all this stuff. Best ever listeners, I'm excited to introduce you to our newest host that we're bringing onto the team. His name is Slocum Reed, along with myself and Ash. Slocum will be providing value to every interview he does. I've known Slocum for years and I've watched his portfolio continue to grow. He currently owns and operates 65 units, including converting three units into an office building. So he's an owner operator. He's coming from certainly a different perspective than I have. I know he's going to bring his expertise and cut through the fluff and get the best real estate investing advice ever for you. So welcome, Slocum Reed. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed and I'm here with Bo Beery. Bo is joining us from Gainesville, Florida. He's a multifamily broker specializing in conventional and student housing over 10 units in the northern half of Florida. He's also the author of the book, Multifamily Investors Who Dominate. Bo, can you start us off a little more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Yeah, sure. No problem. I went to the University of Florida back in the late 90s, got a marketing degree, went and worked for Tremble Crow Residential, which was the leading apartment developer in the country at the time. And I was doing on-site leasing and sales. I got to understand the multifamily business from the ground floor, which was really, really awesome. Had great upline, had great coaches. I went back and did a master's degree in real estate at University of Florida, which is currently the number one program in the country graduate real estate program. And then I went and worked for a group, it's a development group that mostly developed, owned and managed office, retail, industrial, and multifamily. 
and I brokered and managed the portfolio. I did that for 10 years and then started thinking, well, shoot, I'm pretty good at this. What if I did this for 10 people? What if I did this for 20 people? What if I did this for 30 people? So the brokerage world was calling at me. So in 2010, I acquired a Coldwell Banker commercial franchise with some partners and we just blew up. It was awesome. I did only multifamily brokerage while my partners ran the company. I was number one in the state of Florida almost every year for Coldwell Banker Commercial. And I was in the top three in the nation and all 40 countries for almost all of those years as well. And I just sold back that company to my partners last year. And now I just have my own boutique multifamily brokerage firm called Bowbeery Multifamily Advisors. I broker anything over 10 units market rate or student housing in the northern half of Florida. That's my story, brother. Nice. When did you buy the Coldwell Banker franchise? How long have you been brokering multifamily? That was 2010 when I acquired the franchise. It was me and three other partners. And we also had a Coldwell Banker franchise. So we had about 90 residential agents. My partners ran that firm. And then we had about 12 or 15 commercial agents. And I ran that part of it. But I did nothing but brokerage for myself. I just brokered multifamily assets. 2010 is an interesting time to get into brokering multifamily. Yeah, man, for sure. Actually, it was interesting to just be alive in brokerage period. When I acquired that company with the partners, we had a very limited number of months of reserves left. After 100 years of that business being in business, it was about to go under. And everybody was. Everyone in brokerage Everyone in our markets was struggling. They were barely surviving. But we came on, and I mean, within a few months, we just started killing it. When I came from working for one person to brokering for others, I had built a name for myself 10 years prior. So day one, when I acquired the Coldwell Banker commercial, everybody who had been following me for 10 years was blowing up my phone for that first 30 days. And we must have racked up three or four dozen listings I was the number one agent in the entire market year one, and then it took off from there. And it was just a great story. It was good timing. And then I exited a good time. Yeah. 2010 was a great time to get listings, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. There were plenty of listings. It was finding the buyers, man. That was the key. And now there's That's... plenty of buyers and no listings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you had 10 years experience before acquiring the commercial brokerage with Coldwell Banker in 2010. Yeah. Fast forward another 10 years for me, Bo. 2020, the market's been completely turned on its head. It usually turns on its head faster than every 10 years. But even prior to COVID, we were in a market where it was very difficult to find sellers and it felt like everyone was a buyer. I know in my conversations with commercial brokers, their buyers list has four or five digits. And that's oh, just yeah. the people who are getting the emails when they take a listing. So what is it that you're doing now to get in front of listing opportunities mm -hmm. to be on the listing, the selling side of multifamily deals? Yeah, I take a very digital approach to how I get my listings. And it's a system that I've been creating for years and years, and it's an algorithm. So I use a CRM called Realnex, R-E-A-L-N-E-X, realnex.com. And what I did was about 15, 16 years ago, 
I exported every single apartment complex that exists in the northern half of Florida, anything that was over 10 units. I exported from the property appraiser websites. Property appraiser websites are the only source of data that is accurate. All these other subscription-based websites that people subscribe to, they are not 100% accurate. They all get their information from property appraisers. Bo, I want to make sure we're on the same page here. When you say property appraiser websites, are you talking about, yes, you're talking about local or regional government authority public records. That's correct. County tax okay. collectors are the only human beings or the only websites, the only municipality, whatever you want to call, that has the information on every asset because they want to tax you. All the websites you subscribe to, CoStar, Reese, whatever it is, they have good information. Basically, what they're doing is they're assembling information into an easy-to-read format, and they're charging you money for it. But it's being input by a lot of young folks who don't do real estate, right? So a lot of the data is incorrect. They don't know when a qualified sale is. Sometimes they don't know the difference between market rate and student housing. There's a lot of stuff that's inaccurate. And I saw that. And so a long time ago, I exported every asset, imported it into a CRM. And I'm leading to answer your question about listings. This is all part of the story. So what you get from a property appraiser website is you get a parcel number, you get an owner name, which is always an LLC, you get an address. Sometimes you get number of units, depending on the website. You get the age, you get when it's sold for and when it's sold, right? That's about it. But it oftentimes doesn't give you the number of units, the bedroom. Sometimes the ages are not in there. The type of construction sometimes are not in there. The actual principle of the company and their contact information, how much value add is left. Property appraiser websites don't rank them, A, B, C, all this stuff. So I spent a tremendous amount of time and resources getting all of the physical data perfect, everything about the physicality of the asset, who owns it, what they paid for, everything, right? And create a database. And over time, I track a number of indexes. I track when the mortgages end. I track when it last sold for. So I track all the sales. I can tell you what the number of months is someone's going to hold it based on the type of asset, the size of it, the market it's in, and most importantly, the type of owner, whether they're a syndication, a private. I track all of these sales in different silos. So as soon as someone buys a complex, I go ahead and put a date into the future of when I think it's going to sell based on a bunch of other indexes that I'm tracking. Combined with when the mortgages end, combined with the type of owner and when their equity is going to mature and they have to go ahead and sell for their investors, So there's all kinds of things that are intersecting and I'm inputting in dates. So every day when I walk in my office and I pull up my CRM, I pull up today's to-dos, there are two or three phone calls that I have to make to people who own apartment complexes that are ripe for selling today. And these are phone calls that I put in last month, last year, or sometimes 10 years ago. And it's also discussions I have with owners. So over time, as you can imagine, I have lots of phone calls with owners who say, hey, Bo, our loan doesn't come up until 2025. We cannot sell before then. Our defeasance is too huge until 2023. So I get that information. And if their defeasance is too huge until 2023, I may start calling them in late 2022 or mid 2022 to start feeding them information, getting on their side, adding value to them so that they think of me once that defeasance burns off and now they're capable of selling. 
Oh, this is fantastic. And I know that there are some of our best ever listeners who do their own lead gen. The vast majority of them are not brokers, but a lot of people are hungry enough for good opportunities that they are going direct to seller. Especially when you say 10 units, going direct to seller is much more common for us investors in that 10 to 40 unit space, because it's Mm -hmm. much more likely that those mom and pop style owners don't already have embedded broker relationships. First, let me ask you, Bo, in your experience, does that hold weight? Is 40 units a good metric? Under 40 doors, the majority of the owners don't already have a brokerage relationship, but above 40 doors, they do? Definitely not. To say the majority, absolutely not. They're using brokers, period. (laughs) Is there a greater chance under 40 units of getting a deal directly from a seller than above 40 units? Absolutely. But you have to understand the guy who owns a 20 unit complex that is worth two and a half million dollars, he's probably fairly sophisticated. That's probably not the only one he owns and probably not the only one he has transacted in the past. He's not living in some silo somewhere away from the world and doesn't understand that he can hire a broker and get 15 offers in two weeks. Everyone knows you can do that. If you're buying quadruplexes, duplexes, 10 or 12 units, there is a higher likelihood that that person isn't in our world transacting on a regular basis and may entertain an offer from some guy he doesn't know who calls him off the street. But logically speaking, when you own a reasonably good asset, You've probably transacted them before. You probably stay with your ear to the ground. You're probably getting calls from brokers every week educating you on the world, which is why 93% of every deal that sells over 10 units is done by a broker. That is an actual five-year study I did. It's in my book right there. I studied 31% of every transaction over a five-year period where I literally called the sellers And I determined that 92.77% of every deal over 10 units was done by a broker because it just makes sense for them to do so. So what I try to coach investors on is you can try to be the guy who calls the seller directly because there's a higher profit margin, at least you think so. And your profitability per deal over time will likely be greater than the guy who only focuses on networking the brokers. But the guy over here who networks with brokers has a much higher net worth than this guy over here because this guy is hitting base hits left and right. He's doing way more deals per year. He doesn't have to hit a home run every time. He doesn't have to feel like he's sitting around a fire drinking a beer with his buddies and tries to brag about a deal he got from the director of the seller. Okay, that doesn't mean anything to this guy. He's trying to build a huge Trevor chest of assets because the more number of units you buy, the more powerful you become. Because the more units you own, the more I as the broker want to bring you deals because the sexier you look to the seller, the easier it is for me to sell you as the winning bidder in a multiple offer situation to the seller. The guy who's buying one or two deals a year directly from the seller because he's making as many phone calls as he can and he's only getting one or two of those a year. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. But that guy is never going to be able to compete against the guy who has nine complexes that he bought in the last 18 months using brokers. It's a relationship business. Absolutely. And Bo, I may be showing my Midwestness here when I talk about 40 doors because I'm based in Cincinnati, Ohio. And when you're talking about predominantly C-class inventory, 
Mm -hmm. I'm not saying all the inventory in Cincinnati is C-class, but that's what I'm focused on presently. One of the numbers that we're pushing on, if your property is 50% or more one-bedroom apartments, we're just now seeing properties get around 65000 a door. In your, from the gut example of a 20 unit being worth two and a half million, there are not a lot of 20 units at 125 a door in Cincinnati, at least in C-class areas, which I think lends itself to some more mom and popsmanship in a market like ours than a market like yours. Of course, you have much better analytics than I do. I get what you're saying about the investor who is networking with brokers, doing more deals and building their network faster than the person who's going off market, trying to hit home runs. Right. In the interest of giving you a platform, let me play devil's advocate. Please. My ability to purchase is limited. And if I go to raise capital, I'll be working primarily with sophisticated limited partners who have serious return expectations. So I feel like I need to hit home runs and I have the wherewithal to do off-market lead generation and do a lot of digging to find a few home runs this year because a few home runs this year is as far as my capital can stretch. And frankly, because I'm only hitting home runs, I'm going to be able to perform ideally cash out refinances within a 12, 18, 24 month time period get my capital back out so I can go digging for more home runs. Looking at someone in a circumstance like that, where capital and the ability to raise capital is a serious limiting factor and understanding that the margins for forcing appreciation are often lower on brokered deals. Why is it that I should be looking or someone in this situation should Mm -hmm. be looking at brokered deals instead of trying to go direct to seller? to just increase the probability. It's a statistical fact. Listen, the difference between someone who buys a couple of deals a year and someone who buys lots of deals a year, it's not their smartness or the amount of equity they have or experience oftentimes. It's how many deals the other guy sees. The more deals you see, the greater probability you have of getting in the game. That's it. Now, that's not to say if you have the ability to have a junior or someone else on your team doing the letters directly to sellers, making the phone calls, whatever. Awesome. Do it. Cause that doesn't cost you anything. But if you are the only principal in your company and you're trying to pick up assets and you have a limited time in your day, why wouldn't you increase the probability of acquiring any asset? Why would you limit yourself to trying to find the only person who's going to entertain an offer from some guy they've never met in their life who calls them and said the right thing at the right time? That's all I'm saying. I get where you're coming from and it works for people. And if you're good with picking up a couple of deals a year, that's all good. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm telling you information about how to become a giant. I'm giving you information about the most elite investors in the world. These guys are doing a dozen deals a year on a regular basis for 20 years. And the only way you do that is networking with every broker so that every broker brings you every deal that they come across both before it goes to market and after. It's just a statistical thing. I'm saying if you're going to spend your time somewhere, should you spend it trying to find a needle in the haystack or should you go to where the vast majority of the deals are? And when you get good enough at it and you build enough of a reputation of closing, 
You get to see the broker deals before they ever hit the market. You can be one of the limited number of people who see it before it goes out. Sam, that's a very valuable point. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. What's holding you back from getting into apartment building deals? Is it knowledge, fear, inability to take action, lack of support? If it's any of these things, then I suggest you consider Deal Maker Mentoring with Michael Blanc. Michael's program is the most effective program to help you syndicate your first apartment building deal. During Deal Maker Mentoring, you'll work directly with one of Michael's experienced mentors who have successfully replaced their income with apartment buildings. They've already done what you want to do, which is become financially free. So in addition to providing their own syndication experience, they've been trained in Michael's unique Deal Maker Blueprint designed to help you do your first deal and become financially free just like them in the next one to three years. To find out more, text the word Joe to 66866. I know Michael's going to get you to where you'd like to be. Again, text the word Joe to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own syndication business. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investing investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. I want to ask about your database. You've used public record information and your own digging to accumulate a very powerful database that you use at a very high level to make sure that you're having conversations with owners at the time that they are most likely to be selling. Right. Oftentimes That's before also, they even know it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I want to compare that to the broker who gets a co-star subscription or buys a list and just starts calling people. Bo, how often when you're making your two or three phone calls in the morning, are you calling people who are already having conversations with other brokers who have not gone to the lengths that you have to make sure they're making the right phone calls? Every seller has heard from eight brokers that week. Okay. That's a fact. Every one of them from the guy who owns 12 units to the guy who owns 1200 unit complex, they're getting calls from brokers on a regular basis, right? So there's a couple of trains of thought on the brokerage side. Most national brokers, and I'm going to do a general statement here, which is not fair because there are going to be some anomalies within the national brokerages, but the national brokerages, the C.B. Richard Ellis's, Marcus and Millet, Chaps, Colliers, all these are big giant companies that are very, very good at what they do, right? They are investor driven. They're commission driven. They want to do deals. So many of the agents, particularly the younger guys coming up, they are call demons. Hey, my name's Bo Beery. Do you totally. want to sell? Hey, my name's Bo Beery. Do you want to sell? Yep. Hey, my name's Bo Beery. Do you want to sell? I right? know a lot of those guys. Right. That's their game. And that's good. It builds up a skill for that young person. It drives listings eventually. 
And those listings go to the head honcho broker. So when I say head honcho, usually within national teams, there's usually a two partner partnership. There's always these two guys who are fantastic what they do. They partner together. They have three or four juniors under them. They have analysts and so on and so forth, right? Those juniors are doing a dialing for the dollars. They get a hot one. They turn it over to the major partner. The guy gets the listing. They go to sell it, right? What happens is everyone knows those shops. When they call, that's what they're going to ask for is the listing. And it almost becomes white noise. For most investors, it becomes annoying, right? Now, I try to take the long game. The long game for me is I add as much value as I possibly can. When I'm making those several calls each morning, I'm not calling asking for a listing. I very rarely ask for a listing. All I'm trying to do is add as much value as I can to their business. I'm talking to them about what rents are doing nearby, what amenities are driving up rents, what amenities can be added, sales that happen nearby, what construction costs are running for different things, changes in the market, just adding value. Because what I want is when that person sees me show up on their cell phone, they answer the phone because I'm going to add value and not ask for a listing, right? Now, I will say this. A lot of the national shops do way more business than I do as a whole, right? They may not make more money than me as a net because they have franchise fees, cuts with the house, juniors, assistants, and all these things, but they're going to get more listings. So you as the investor should be networking with every one of those major brokers because they're fantastic at what they do. And when you go to sell, their selling point is they have national offices, they have offices in different countries and so on and so forth, right? The reality is, is every broker has the same access, the same number of buyers, whether you're little old me or you're CB Richard Ellis. That's what technology has done for this world. I literally have every human being on earth that owns every asset in the state of Florida and everyone on earth who wants to own assets in Florida who doesn't already. It's literally a touch of a button that I have access to them, right? So the two different approaches are just call, 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 call. It's a number of probabilities, right? And they're going to get listings. They're going to say the right things, especially if you get some of these junior guys who are very good at what they do. They got good verbal skills, right? So they'll get the listings. And the partners they're doing it for are making calls to their key prospects doing the same thing. They already have prior relationships. They're tight. I'm taking a different approach because I'm not a giant national, right? I have to be more of a SEAL team member, right? I think long-term, I want someone to look at me as someone who is a true advisor, who is there to grow their portfolio, grow their business over a 30-year period. And I'll do less deals, but I'll have a waiting list of folks who want to work with me. Oh, as an apartment investor, let me say that I wish I had brokers like you calling me, offering to (laughs) add value. I am a one-man band when it comes to being an owner-operator for the most part. I have capital partners, but it's my advice and my expertise that they're relying on. Right. And I'm still trying to figure out what amenities and what areas are worth how much in rent increase. So if you're an apartment broker in Cincinnati and you're listening to this, get my contact info so that you can add value to me and all of my buddies who own apartments. For sure. Right? What, Bo is, what Bo is saying here is gold. And it works both ways. And the thing is, is that you as an investor is in more competition by far than I am. So for me in the Northern half of Florida, there are about 50 brokers that I compete against. You as an investor are competing against tens of thousands of people, but only a very limited number of those tens of thousands of investors are networking and building relationships with brokers 
so that there's this mutual adding value to each other. So I would encourage you to reach out to every multifamily broker in all the markets in Cincinnati and kind of create not just a business relationship, but you talk about what you guys do on the weekends and your hobbies and wives and kids. And over time, you develop these personal relationships so that I like reaching out to you and telling you about amenities that people are putting in that are driving up rents and how people are cutting down on bad debt. And so brokers get to see from dozens and dozens of the top investors in the world, how they're operating tremendous businesses. And you can gain that information from them. They're happy to share it with you. I have a lot of stuff in my head. I love to share with folks. That's why I have the YouTube channel and the book and all that. You just have to reach out to them. And for you to then be able to take some of that information and share with your investors and some of your equity then makes you look like the expert. Oh, are you ready for our best ever lightning round? Bring it on. Bo, what is your best ever way to give back? For me, it is, it's two things. It's probably my YouTube channel. I put a tremendous amount of really high quality content on there. It's called Bo Knows Multifamily. It takes a lot of time. It's a lot of research. Every time I do a deal and if something went bad or good, I'm putting out a video about it. My whole thing is trying to educate investors, both beginning to advanced level guys as much as possible, because the better everybody gets at this buying and selling game in multifamily, it makes my job easier. It brings up the level of that. And the second way is I take on a lot of calls from beginners. I'm very sharing of my Beginner time. investors or beginner brokers? Both. I got more brokers that call me than investors, but I got a lot of the beginning investors that call me. And I just have short conversations with them about the inventory that's out there, what they need to do to prepare packages to hand to brokers, how they need to get letters of recommendation, who to talk to on the lending side, where they may find equity. I want to get them started because to me as a 46-year-old, I've got another 15 years I want to do this. If I can grow someone, they're going to stick with me for a long time. They're going to want to kind of pay me back, if you will. Not that I'm doing it for that, but there's a mutual respect. If I can help them, they'll want to help me. What's the best ever book you recently read? My favorite book is probably Deep Work. I think the author is Cal Newton. And the whole premise is that there's a two or three hour window of your day where you want to carve out, where you cut out the whole world. You turn off the noises on your computer, you turn off your cell phone, you don't check social media, your family doesn't come in the door, and all you do is that one thing that nobody's better at than you. For me, it's interacting with my rank A customers, adding value in their lives and their business so that we do more deals together. So that two-hour window from 9 to 11 in my business, I'm in this room, it's completely shut off, and all I do is talk to my top customers. For you, it's finding deals. What is the best ever lesson you've learned as a commercial broker? Man, I would say it is working with high caliber, quality, empathetic, non-bull in a China shop type of investors. Because people who have bad reputations, people who retrade assets, who badmouth assets, who renegotiate terms, who redline contracts to insanity, who do all the things that push a bad reputation, what happens is that crap rubs off on you. Even though you're not that person, I'm the broker in the middle. And the more difficult the person is that I have to work with, that crap rubs off on me and the other party sees it. And they don't have to separate the two as much as they should. So I try very, very hard in every transaction I do. I have a qualification checklist that I go through before taking on a listing. And most of the checklist has to do with the type of investor they are. 
the character. So what is your best ever advice? My best ever advice is two things. Number one, if your overall goal is to accumulate as much units as you can, your whole job should be networking with as many brokers as you can. And I go through a full process on how to do that in a book I wrote. Number two, you have to become a master at the analytics. The reason there are 15 offers in two weeks on every deal is not because that they're smarter than you or better than you. It's because they know the market like the back of their hand. They know as soon as a listing comes to market, they already know what that deal is worth. They know what they can take the rents to. They know what they can sell it for in three years. They know what the remodeling costs are going to be. They know who's going to manage it. They already know who's going to do the lending. They know all this stuff. I should be able to ask you about rents, absorption, sale prices, renovation costs in any market, in any sub-market that you're in. And the better you can get at that, the faster you can react. So how can people get in touch with you? Three ways, man. I got a website, bobeery.com, B-E-A-U-B-E-E-R-Y.com. The reason you want to go there is because whether you invest in Florida or not, you'll want to see all the metrics and the data I have for the markets that I cover. And that's the kind of data you want to master for your market. Second way is, I know I've mentioned it, but this is my book. You really need to get this. I don't make a bunch of money selling books. I'm telling you because this is the inside stories between brokers and sellers and how they choose buyers. And the third way is my YouTube channel, The Bow Knows Multifamily. I've got playlists on there for beginners, for advanced level guys. I've got analytics stuff on there. And every now and then I'll put new listings on there before I send to anybody else. Awesome. Well, best ever listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you've gotten value from this episode, please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star review. And if you know someone who would get value to listening to this episode with Bo Beery, please share this episode with them. Thank you and have a best ever day.